Vigo's having to operate even more attackingly now. He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Vigo. I'm going to be searching in the next couple of weeks for a platform that we can continue to do so. If anyone here is about Spotify Live, thank you very much, but this was useless. Today I have, for episode 25, Mr. Maz Islam. How are you, Maz? Good, thanks. Just catching up about your uh, Ramadan earlier. It's good to hear you feeling perky and enjoying it as well. I was going to ask also what your, what was your, I guess, view from just cracking on as we're expecting the others to join in while we discuss. What was your view on yesterday's results on the Champions League? So, um, I wasn't too shocked with Chelsea, to be honest. I, I don't think I don't think anyone was. They didn't really pop much for a fight, unless you saw anything different from them that we haven't seen the past, well, this season, I, think, I could say. Uh, were you were you confused with the tactics? See, for you know what, I was flicking between both games. So, but from what I did, watch the highlights afterwards, and yeah, I suppose so. But then I don't know if Lampard's trying to do something different with them to what Potter was doing to see if he could get a reaction out of them. But that's the thing that surprises the most. They've not really had this new manager bounce like you usually get because um, he's not a new manager. <laughs> yeah, maybe that, but he, they've got. New, new place for him to work with as well. That, that, yeah. That's what. That's what I don't. Is that simply a continuation of of Potter really? And I think I think I mentioned this in, in our group. I said, well, we're going to get Lampard. Might just kept Graham Potter in. Really, it's literally what I was thinking as well yesterday. Because because it's quite clear it's not the manager. Now they've had what three or four managers. Yeah. Now. And it's quite clear it's not it's not that it's not yeah. them that's the pro, It's the players clearly. I, I, I don't know what they were expecting by bringing him in, to be honest. But then, are we surprised by anything that Todd Bowley does now? I think, I mean, so I'm surprised if, if he sacks Lampard and he announces himself as the manager come next week. So like, might as, you might as well like, do that because of the amount of control he's trying to have. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think my biggest surprise for me is there's probably Napoli. I think I was, I was actually disappointed watching, watching them. I expected so much more. I was, I was I was hoping they would be dark horses and make make them make their way into the final. But yeah, I just couldn't believe the amount of chances they're missing, and it's just not like them. It's crazy. Welcome, Addy. How are you? Oh, good. Oh, good. How are you doing, guys? Good, good. Just recapping some thoughts from the Champions League yesterday. Anything uh, you could you wanted to add? Um, inevitable Real Madrid. I don't know what it is in the Champions League for that club, but. I just to they just click into a different gear. I don't even think they're teams that are ridiculously good. It's just very if professional and efficient. So hats off. I was I was reading a random tweet that I don't know what both of you think, but Maz like uh, very rarely the best team wins the Champions League. Like I can't think of a team that's done like plays well, attractive football, and won the Champions League. It's always been. 
Yeah, yeah, true, fair enough. Barcelona. Uh, but they weren't the best team in the world. Were they the best team in the world at the time? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that, that team was like... Was I remember crazy. the Bayern team was apparently the next... If, 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 they weren't, if they weren't as good as what they, what they were that era, we would have won a lot more Champions Leagues. When, when did they last win the Champions League, Barcelona? Wasn't it Messi, Neymar, Suarez that Luis Enrique? Yeah, Luis Enrique trouble, yeah. Luis Enrique trouble. That was the year. Trouble. Just checking for you now. <laughs> yeah, so this is apparently it's his first ever year that he was coaching them and he won the treble. Yeah, but it's a clever and unbelievable. They had the best strike force any manager could dream of. I don't think there's been a better strike force. And and the midfield, don't forget the midfield of Busquets in the Yeah, yeah. Actually, he still had them, didn't he? Yeah, he had a record yeah. to add to it as well. Yeah, that was so that was that was twenty fifteen basically, and they played uh, Juventus in the final. They won three one, like three nil. Andres Iniesta as the man of the match, I think. So their their squad, that squad that started that final was. Alves, Piquet, Mascherano, Jordi Alba, Rakitic, Busquets, Iniesta, Suarez, Messi, Neymar, and Ter Stegen. I mean, Jesus. it's crazy, but then you look at the, the Juventus squad, apart from Lichsteiner, Berzali, Bonucci, Buffon, Evra, Pogba, Perlo, Marquisio, Vidal, Tevez, Morata. Yeah, I mean, a few good, good players there, nothing stand out, but yeah, I can see what you mean. Um, cool, I mean, the question... Mainly this 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 week's pod, it's come off the back of, unfortunately, we have to keep circling Chelsea. But where my trail of thought came up was like when, you know, they were trying to list up new candidates who would take over from whoever is there now, Lampard, whatever his name is. Um, I guess in your opinion, Maz, has there been, just in, in a general summarised fashion, have you seen more changes in football tactics and playing styles over the years you've watched than you've seen in the last, let's say, 10 years, for example. I know you were younger and we all were, but we weren't as tuned in. But personally, I feel we've seen a lot of change and evolution in like a very short space of time. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, you only got to look at the formations that teams use now. I think growing up, we were used to seeing everyone play a 4-4-2 and that was like, the formation that everyone turned to. I mean, it's probably more of a English formation than it is European. I think the Europeans are a bit more fluid in terms of it wasn't so rigid. Rigid four four two is what we're used to in England, but you seem you can see more of that in 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 the teams in the Premier League. Like no one sticks to the formation. It's like it's like three five two. You have four was it four five one? Sometimes it's just it's it's always it's flowing and it's 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 never. It's not it's never the same. I think managers have had to that because they know in this day and age you've got to you got to be able to maybe send a team out three five two, but then be prepared to go five five at the back to, yeah. to defend the lead. And because I think you almost have to set up, set up two or three formations before you send send the team out to play these days. And I think my first time, I think I re- I kind of saw a difference. I want to use United as an example because obviously I've probably seen most. Of course, I think, I think we've we've always. Been used to four four two at United with with flying wingers, and probably one of the reasons why I rate Ferguson because he, he the way he reinvented squads and kept kept recycling. I think when we 
got rid of the odd 4-4-2, brought in Tevez, Rooney and Ronaldo. I'm sure those front three were constantly changing positions and the, def- and the defenders, opposition, opposition defenders, could never keep up with where each player was. So like one minute it would be Ronaldo deep as a centre forward and the next minute it would be, be Tevez and, and Ronaldo out onto the right or the left. So I think that was the first time I actually witnessed a change in, 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 in the formation, that dynamics changing. You, you probably have a different view of it as, no, as an Arsenal. I think it's it's quite quite similar to my opinion, and I think you can underpin that with Rooney's flexibility as a player, right? Like without him, I don't think that yeah, would yeah. be as fluid, and his ability to just take up whatever the job was uh, and hit at least eight or nine out of ten performances efficiently week in week out. Yeah, I mean, Tevez was similar as well. Tevez yeah, was similar like, build. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Very cool observation. I didn't really think about that. And as well, your point around rigid formations. Good point to have on the board. We also welcome the original Hurt by Football. CJ's in the background here. Okay. Uh, we, thank you for joining We need us. to stop this lies because the entirety of this season, someone not called me has been very upset and been unable to enjoy Arsenal's, you know, season fully, I'd say. I think I've enjoyed it more than you. So. Yeah, I'm just saying. Sure. I'm just saying. I, I'm just going to stick with it because I created the moniker, so you, you're going to stick with that. Adi, I've got a, a question for you with regards to this and following on from Maz's observations around the evolution of foot, football tactics. And I guess my question to you was more, was there a specific moment or game that kind of marked for you a kind of that evolution that Maz alluded to, like, He's talked about, you know, Ferguson introducing different players like Tevez, Rooney. But was there a marked moment from from your viewpoint that kind of shifted that British or Anglo tactic to a more Eurocentric approach? Keen to understand that from your viewpoint. Um, Well, yeah, I think it's it's in a weird way, English, British, Eurocentric, but it's it's the one that sticks in my head where I started to see everyone, we had Arsene Wenger. Now, I know he's not British, but Arsene Wenger went for a flat-back three. In one game, I think it was in an FA Cup game. Mm. And it was in response to the success that I think Conte had had. And the whole league then started to adopt this back three and, and, and changed to what was essentially an Italian tactic the time, not something that we used much in this league. And I, I don't know, you're asking me for the market point. That was the point where I thought, wow, there's been a shift. And then from that point on, it's gone on to be like Maz said, that was adding into the arsenal of the 3-5-2. We already had the 4-4-2. That was very British-centric. And then the 4-3-3 came over when Pep kind of came over as well. And that now becomes within a game we're interchanging. So I think that point for me was when Arsene Wenger was like a staunch 4-4-2, 4-2-4 person. And that was the tactic that used to get Arsenal success. And then as soon as I saw him do that, maybe then I started to look around at other managers, other English managers in this league, and they started to adopt what Conte was doing. So that was that was probably the point for me. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting to know what people's experiences were. You know, everyone has like a different marker in their mind, I guess. And yeah, I, I think I tend to agree. And then there was that that point in Arsenal when I think for me, 
there's a shift when we signed Fabregas. I know it's a long time ago, but that sort of player that was that basically replaced Vieira at the age of 16, 17, which is insane. And then we played Juventus in the Champions League and we beat them 2-1 or whatever when Vieira came to Highbury. That, for me, I was like, wow. Like, that's kind of like the the small moment where I was like, shit, like, things are, are changing and we're kind of going beyond the Vieira, you know, 4-4-2 anchorman who could do box-to-box, no pun intended. Mr. Mr. CJ, uh, from your experience um just given the way you know how i guess you're looking at formations develop how countries and their environments have evolved is there anything i guess from your viewpoint an example i would say to you is that you know the, the podcast that we listened to the t one which is really good where they alluded to the fact that you know the netherlands is a very small country and they have they don't have much space in terms of football pitches and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of the times training um, or the way players are formed is, is you know, informed by the environment they're in because of the space they didn't have. They became really good at fluid formations, working around tight spaces, etc. But I guess what my question to you is long-windedly, is there anything else that kind of sticks out to you while you were, I guess, watching football just... Um, you know, where you saw, oh, wow, you know, Italy, for example, really strong defenders, for example, and that's the basis of their philosophy. Is there anything else that kind of stood out for you in like watching English football, for example? Uh, if we're going to talk about worldwide football, then I'd say something we've always grown up with, right, is Brazilians and Drogo Benito. I mean, I guess it's been more in, I'd say, late childhood, early teens with Ronaldinho, but We've always had that undercurrent of, because they also play, um, not foosball, that's the stupid um, table football game. The football book was with a weighted with a heavier ball. Can't remember the name. It will come back to me at some stage. So that allowed them, like you said, with the Netherlands and smaller pitch size, how that's how they work in the Netherlands. In Brazil, that's how they've always had better control slash, I don't want to say gamified football. is probably the wrong way to say it, but they've managed to make certain elements of the game seem very Brazilian that other countries, I think, just haven't done in the same manner. I mean, this isn't strictly formations, but South Americans in terms of like Uruguayans, Chileans have always kind of been known for having a bit of a bastard streak. But it's quite interesting because after that podcast, I went and read a bit more about formations starting from I think what would have been the two three five at the beginning of the nineteen hundreds, then to Herbert Chapman and the WM formation, and you could actually put a very strong case. This is very random, and I'm just throwing it out there for Scotland being the birthplace of modern football, because there were one or two Scotsmen who went to Hungary. I think it was either Hungary or Austria in like the twenties and thirties, and basically because of how the tactics that they were playing at the time were so new and different that that equates to Hungary beating England, I think, 6-3 in one of the World Cups, which was like a huge upset at the time. But then seeing how formations have changed, and I know the podcast that we listened to, this is going to sound like a real rant, was talking about Eurocentric football. But weirdly enough, a lot of the formations in the earlier days were actually driven quite a lot by South Americans. Futsal, that's it. Thank you very much. I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's an interesting observation. Good, good uh, history uh, informing, inf- inf- but history lesson. You- but if we were going to make it super modern and the English game specifically, I'd probably say Mourinho and four-three-three. I feel like when he came to Chelsea from Porto, that was very much his thing. And then if we're going to be even more recent, and obviously ignoring kind of JDP and how Klopp and Pep have used that or not used it, depending on how you want to interpret that, Conte and five at the back. Again, very different experience points from everyone else, but I appreciate the history lesson. I think I'm going to read up on that. If you have any sources, please share them afterwards. Yeah, there are a dozen, there are a couple. I mean, it's quite fascinating because, I mean, I, I don't know what you would have touched on before I joined, but a lot of it has always been, I think you can, I've heard people say this about manager that managed Cruyff, I can't remember his name again for the life of me, but before and after Cruyff and how space was used on a pitch, because the idea of space and making the pitch as big as it could be when you have possession to then compact in the pitch when you don't wasn't necessarily a thing until Croy started playing slash managing. So it is quite interesting to see how over the years, obviously we're getting out the final evolution, I guess, of total football with Pep at the moment, but give it another 20, 30 years and there obviously will be something new. So yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting because it's just, it's always an organic ever kind of changing thing because another random tangent, one of the formations I mentioned, the WM formation, which grew out of, no, sorry, a formation which grew out of in response to the WM by Herbert Chapman, which was super successful for Arsenal in the 30s. Patrick Vieira used that when he was managing in New York, randomly. And I think a similar formation to that Pep used when he was at Bayern. So as much as we talk about formations evolving, evolving, Sometimes it's throwbacks that get used and often because coaches, I don't think, might necessarily be used to it or think the game has moved on so far from that, they actually can be still quite effective. Adaptation is modern. Like, that's how they keep evolving and tweaking and testing, which is quite interesting to see how it actually moves on from here because, like you said, it could be ending the... Not ending, but it could be the end cycle of like total football. And you can kind of see that with the way Pep is going with like four defenders, central defenders at the back, uh, rather than full. Yeah, because off the top of my head, there is one weakness, right, with how Pep's football works, which is if, and obviously this is a huge if, but because it's based on positional positions being taken up, if you can evade the press and get into the spaces, because in essence, it's a bit disjointed you can actually counter it quite well. Obviously, it's easier said than done, but that is a weakness of that system. So it's, you know, obviously the same way it's taken Pep X number of years to get the precise players who are great on the half turn, who then, without always needing to take too many touches, can pass the ball on and on. Do you get it to a danger man who then has the time and space to do more with it? So, yeah, I mean, it's always going to keep evolving and we could have this conversation in 10 years and it could be completely different and we won't be able to predict where it will go. Yeah, I mean, I know we talk about Pep and playing four centre backs, but I think if you look at the way they play, they're not playing a traditional centre back. How traditional centre back would play? If you look at John Stone, he's stepping into midfield. He's so comfortable, comfortable on the ball. Can you imagine like a traditional centre back in centre midfield trying to control, trying to play the passes, or or, or even keep hold of the ball the way John Stones does? I think they're classified as they're more like defenders, right? They're they're just. Good on the ball. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think you got to. I think it just speaks volumes about Pep and his ability to coach players. I think more than anything, and I don't know. CJ also mentioned about how you can, if you can displace them on on and 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 get at them. So that's one of us. That was one of my reasons as to why I think Arsenal could do could could potentially beat them next week. And I don't, I don't I know. Let's not get into that conversation because I know you guys probably don't want to talk about that right now. But that was, that's one of the, I think Arsenal perfectly suited to be that formation with the players that you have and the way you you guys are playing at the moment. Well, apart from the last two games, but yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the cheerleading, guys. Um, I guess the question for you, guys, back to you is that when we mentioned Lampard earlier, when we were just discussing stuff, how important do you think it is for like a new manager to adapt their approach based on the unique strengths or you can call them weaknesses of their squad? Or can you basically just influence the team based on what you see? Do you see what I mean? How, how do you see like, you can use Potter as an example where he had his philosophy and it just didn't work. I think, I think Lampard's a bit of a unique situation and he has what, he knows he's got he's only he's only got twelve games in the job, so I think he kind of has to adapt himself to the players he has, and albeit he's got about thirty players to fit to fit in to the squad or in, into into eleven into the first eleven. So I think it's, it's a bit of a unique situation that Lampard's in, and he's got no choice. He, he can't coach. He has, he knows he hasn't got a year to coach these players, and, and eventually they'll come around to his way, his ideas and his way of thinking, which I, I'm yet to understand what. I've seen him at, at, Lever- at Everton and at Chelsea prior to that. I'm yet to understand what his ways of playing is. If that makes sense. I don't think he has a style. So I think he, I think it's an easy one when it comes to him. He just has to get the players in the right positions and make sure they're performing to the best of their ability and capability. And it's interesting because I sometimes watch Chelsea play, you know, and I think like that Liverpool game they played, I thought, I thought they played pretty well. I think the only thing missing for them was someone to score goals. And if they had anyone else up front apart from Havertz, or sorry, if, if they had a decent striker up front, I, I think they would have won that game. And who's that Albanian striker they have? I, I think if he was on the pitch, I know, I know he's injured. Oh, Brozier. I'm sure he would have. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he would have scored a goal or two in that in that Liverpool game. Man of chances Havertz missed. It was it was unbelievable. I, I don't. I know we mock Chelsea, but I can see them being one decent striker away from being a good team because they don't concede many goals. They just can't score goals. That's that's their issue. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue the match yesterday proved that, right? Because the best chances of the game when they did fall to Chelsea were falling to either Kante or La Cucaracha. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And like, there's never been a situation, right, where when it comes to potentially breaking a deadlock and you've got a midfielder. Who 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 was who was that player? Oh, sorry, Cucurella, sorry. <laughs> La <Cucaracha. laughs> like you, you should in a game where you needed to score early and soon and early, it shouldn't have yeah, like fair enough that they're in those positions, right? But that's when you go, Okay, you have a striker, but the main striker at the club and okay, I know Bangham's had a terrible couple of months since he joined Chelsea. But no matter how bad, good, whatever he is, end of the day, one of those chances he'd have put away, or at least got on target. So 
yeah, I mean, I get what you mean about that's that's, that's what it, Chelsea exactly needing a striker, but yeah, then you just had Mountain Gallagher just running around for energy. So I just find it strange he hasn't had Aubameyang hasn't played more games both under Potter and and Lampard. So there must be something happening behind the scenes we're not aware of. And if I don't know with with Potter, I don't think he's his type of striker. Like, I just feel that the kind of striker that he wants has to be a bit more involved. And for under Tuchel, that works, right? Because Tuchel knows him. He knows him inside out. Pretty sure he became who he was known for being under Tuchel. So they go way back. But, I, yeah, with Potter, I, I just don't know. But, but, but don't you think, like, having a striker is better than having... This is my point. Like, chances that... Oh, I agree. I thought this is a fraud. He's a midfielder, but... Yeah, like Weghorst is not is not a Ten Hag striker or a United striker. The reason why he's there is because we need a body up front, and that will put himself about. He's not even scoring goals, but at least there's a focal point at times that that are needed for some games. I, I completely agree. Like at the end of the day, sometimes it's about making do with what you have. Because as much as, and I guess this is my answer to Kush's question earlier, even though he didn't ask me, is unless you're well known enough as a manager, you have to work with what you have until you get to the stage where you can start demanding what you want. And I think in terms of management, it's just as much about you being flexible to the situation that's in front of you as it is to, you know, coaching players and making them better. Because... Adi was going to jump in as well. Adi, what are you going to talk about habits as a player? Because I I understand why managers keep him in the side. It's... He is... He's the perfect foil for bringing players into play. If he had more effective wingers like a Salah and Mane around him, Havertz would be dangerous because he's got the same attributes as Firmino. If you watch his game, he does not give the ball away easily. He makes the right decision eight to nine times out of ten with the ball at his feet and he never loses, he's always calm. So if he had people who can bring into play coming on either side, then it would help him. The problem with Chelsea is they don't have wingers who want your throat who are going to go at you. <clears throat> and then they don't have a number nine as a plan B. So that's the kind of paradox. So I understand why managers keep him there. It's just their transfer policy is not looking at the ingredients they have to then go and sign the ingredients they need. So The thing is, I would argue they have the two wingers on the bench. I mean, you can call him raw, but Mudrik is there as a direct runner. And then they got Madueke from PSV too. Like, and they're still persisting with Pulisic captain hamstrings Hakim Ziyech I don't know what he's doing with his life just, he's, he just collected his pension money that's all he's doing and like reference to Champions League yesterday Kante was playing like number 10 slash right winger it was just a strange box formation that just didn't make sense to me and they they have the ingredients there but you have I don't know defaults back to Lampard and how he wants to set out his his stall so yeah, it's just weird. I don't know. Not my pro- not my club, so I'm not... I think if we look at how Chelsea set up yesterday, the main focus was not conceding early and the game effectively being, a, being done ASAP. And I know we were saying that it looked like Madrid were toying with Chelsea, but Chelsea did everything but score in the first half. Like, position-wise, they were further up the pitch. They were seeing a lot of the ball. They just weren't doing anything with it. And this isn't me defending Frank Lampard because... I'm pretty sure he was playing with like five defenders, just in a weirdish way. So four defensive midfielder. Yeah, like he was being very pragmatic. He just, I, I yeah. just, just didn't want the tie to be over in the first ten minutes. 
And Real Madrid easily could have done that. But you're right, CJ. Yeah, but you're right. You could say his tactics worked in the first yeah. half because they did. They should have scored. Yeah. So, in a way, maybe maybe he did get it right yesterday. They just didn't have. It's mad saying this with the amount of play, they have, with the amount of players they have in the squad. He just didn't have a striker to finish off the chances they created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's what happens when you go to the Make a Wish Foundation. You just say, "I want this," and then yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't specify what you want. So then you get everything, and then you just go, none of these is good for me. I'm sure there's a team in there somewhere, but with the fire cell that's potentially going to go on, I, I don't know how this... Yeah, like, no one knows. And I think no one's going to know until the transfer window shuts what Chelsea are going to be like next season. I guess in, 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 the, in the hope of not making this well, fully right? Chelsea, I guess, Adi, a question to you was, with regards to what you've seen, let's say this this season, and again, you can use Chelsea as a case study, but do you think the factor around Eurocentric tactics has like contributed towards a decline of traditional, in inverted commas, British football style? So, one when I say that, apart from Eddie Howe, maybe Sean Dyche coming in, you know, they're always on the fringes, and I don't think Eddie Howe gets enough praise or respect given, you know. He's a British or English coach. But the way Lampard is and the way he's kind of come in, I, like Mazza said, he's not, he doesn't have a style. But have you seen that phase out of British football, like British managers, because of the way European tactics have kind of... Yeah, evolved? because if you're not prepared for the game, then you get caught out by these European managers. I think the thing that used to stand British managers in good stead before is that nobody can wind up a team. And when I say wind up a team, get a team to play for the badge and show passion and show determination. And sometimes, from what I know of English style, from growing up watching Sir Alex Ferguson, watching different managers like Sam Allardyce, that ability was compensating for probably, let's say, 20 to 30% of the tactical ineptness that some of them had or the tactical setup not necessarily being as meticulously planned but I think now the level of manager especially in the Premier League that are like insane football geniuses in terms of tactical setups that actually make a difference on the pitch where you have to be prepared to play against them the what Maz was saying earlier about them having three different tactical setups for different periods in the game where you don't know what you're playing at any given time, players are moving around. I think that's just meant that that notion of football being 50% passion has gone and you actually need to be prepared. And that's what's phasing out British football because it hasn't got, it hasn't tried to catch up from a manager standpoint to being that tactically astute that you can out tactically battle someone, but also motivate, which is, it seems like the ability to motivate and G up a team is what the European managers caught up to Britain quicker with because then they got people like Klopp's and Guardiola, who are good man managers and good motivators at the same time as tactical geniuses. So I think that's why it's been phased out, because there wasn't that focus on the detail. And that ultimately rose to the top for those managers. Ex- exquisitely put, I have to say. Um, I've got a thought here. See, yeah. About English managers, was that not because essentially we were beholden to 442 for at least a decade plus? And there was such an aversion to trying anything different that it became, like Ade said, in terms of passion and getting, you know, whatever out of your players. But our weird dependence on that formation meant that a lot of the managers, I guess now, right, the reason why they would use of tactics potentially is because 
that's the only thing that they need to be effective against 442. Like, no one seriously plays 442 anymore unless you're trying to really surprise someone because it just gets pulled out of position way too much. And, you know, like, it ends up being its own worst enemy, right? Because right. if one striker doesn't support the other, then in pressing and all that, like, it's just pointless. But, I was going to yeah. jump in and then I'm, I've got a couple of responses. I just had a, had a random thought. Like, what you're saying is right, CJ, I do agree with you, but I think, I think having that four four two formation, I think it also has, I'm talking about a national team now, probably has held back England as well. Like going back to when the so-called golden generation were about, I think if that, imagine a midfield, I'm, I'm, with the way tactics are now, a midfield of Gerard Scholes and Lampard could have easily worked with a, and, and, and to be fair, I think yep. it's not even, looking back, I don't even think it's Ben's fault or Fabio Capello's fault because if club teams are playing 4 4 2, it's going to be a hard change for an international manager that has them for, what, six weeks to, to be able to change, to, to be able to implement a new way of being the place thinking within a six week period. So I think 4 4 2 is really held the international team back. My, well. my, my view on that was fully agree. I think there was a, the problem was the players. And as we know, Arsene Wenger was only the first proper manager in terms of, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but started to bring in talent from abroad, i.e. France. And the, I guess the European way of playing was fluid. It was like dynamic. They could adapt to different formations. They were used to that. Whereas a lot of the time and the apprehension towards getting, you know, different players into the, the Premier League or the first division, so to say, that kind of stopped people from actually using different formations because they didn't have the player types or they didn't have mobility and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. The, the story that comes to me is the fact that, you know, Tony Adams and stuff were drinking, heavily influenced by bad food, not much thought process around how it's affecting their day-to-day. And, you know, Wenger came in and changed all of that. And then the way they spoke about how that changed the way they were able to play, how they were able to move, gave them like an extra two years on their career, that kind of stuff. I think that was a big influence on like the country in, in general. I agree. And I think in terms of that, with the development <clears throat> of football in general, as footballers, as athletes, and the ability or the ability, the, 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 the physical capacity that they have now, Anyone who's played football knows, especially if you play a midfield, 4-4-2 is a very physically demanding formation for those two midfielders that sit in the middle. Because depending on how you want to be as a manager, that is the space where modern tactics just overload. And a two-man, two people in the centre of the park is just not enough. So with that, the English onus used to be on, oh, he needs to be physical to be able to dominate the middle of the park and tour. But other managers just found a way around that by flooding. And that's what the Spanish people responded to because they had diminutive players who they could flood and give all touches of the ball and the ball keeps moving and you can't get the ball and that's why that game came about and I think that's what saw the evolution of English football go they didn't find a response to somebody kind of cracking the code because they used to have England in the Champions League before when it was still quite 4-4-2 heavy would go quite far there was a period where the Premier League was dominating and then it kind of started changing with when, when Mourinho came but 4-4-2 was still a very used formation successfully but that's because the physical prowess the tempo the speed of the game those were things that other managers couldn't the countries and other clubs couldn't get a handle of and as soon as they did when they found out by outnumbering them and getting technical small players who could keep hold of the ball turn on a sixpence 
it kind of ruined the 4-4-2. And yeah, I think there's not been a British manager who's kind of been at the forefront. Fergie's retired of redeveloping styles enough to try and say, okay, we're going to create a response to the new European tactics to keep 4-4-2 or British style football alive. It's a good observation again. I guess on on the topic of British managers, I guess this is a question for both CJ and Maz. How have managers like Roy Hodgson found success in a current climate of complex tactical systems? Given the fact that I was really against his appointment, Vieira was the, I guess he's a, he's the next best thing. He was good. He coached, you know, under Pep, all that kind of stuff. And somehow Roy's pulling pulling tricks out of his. Maz, do you want to go first or? I don't even, it's difficult because I think Roy Hodgson's winning games that Vera possibly would have won as well, I think, because that run of games Vera had was, I mean, looking back at it, he was playing like the top, was it nine or 10 teams? And I think they were difficult games for him to win anyway. But then I don't, I don't want to judge Roy Hodgson's. I think he's he's done he's done well, yeah. But is it just a new manager bounce? Uh, his tactics. Then Rodgers is a weird one as well. At the same time, because he has he has experienced European football. And he has been heavily influenced by European football. So some of that you can see in in his game. He's not playing as a four four two rigid tactic. He he is formation. Sorry, he is his players aren't setting like they're not set in stone in the zones that they play. You mm. can see that there's fluidity. In the game, so I wouldn't tar him with the same brush as being a typical English four four two manager. I think a lot of his playing style has come from his ventures abroad. He's managed multiple European teams and 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 has implemented that into into, into the way he plays with in the Premier League. Don't yeah. you I think he he took Fulham to the Europa League final. With, yeah, with they the were like relegation fighting at that time. Yeah, yeah, and and they weren't a typical four four two team back then either. So I think I think I'm batting I'm batting in Vieira's corner here, but like three or four games they went without even having a shot on target. Like I'm sorry, there's like something you have to do as a coach. Then that's the only flag. Maybe, maybe, maybe they just needed a new, a new manager to get that new manager bounce and fresh ideas, and players just weren't responding to Patrick Vieira's tactics. It's not to say he's going to be a bad manager or anything. It's just maybe just the squad just needed a refresh in terms of new, new ideas. The idea that I get, well, the impression, I should say, is, you know how whenever, like, you've got them family reunions and there's always that one lit uncle that you just know you haven't seen in ages, but it's going to be great when you see him. That's Roy Hodgson for Palace. Everyone, everyone knew what they were going That's to get. That's it. Exactly. You, it's, it's Uncle Roy. You, Uncle Roy? You know Uncle Roy. I haven't seen Uncle Roy in a while, but Uncle Roy is always fun when he comes around because, like Matt said, the game's, like, if they'd given Vieira another three or four games, I think he would have been fine. Again, it's easy to say with hindsight, but that schedule was horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Moyes is still going on. Somehow. God did. Like, no, he's, he's, I mean, he's like, got them out the sticky patch, though, hasn't he? Moyes, you can, he's... Has he? Say so. They're looking good I mean, in the league. I mean... I'm still I've still got now. my bet with Addy that they're gonna get relegated. I think they're gonna fall away. Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. One thing that I realized on a podcast I was listening to, I can't remember which one it was, maybe Ask Blog? Maybe. Was I think yeah, because I think it was Tim Stillman saying this, was Moise has the worst luck with strikers. 
as in either they're great before he gets them and then they're useless when he gets them or they just get injured and i was thinking back because te- remember antonio's not a striker he was a midfielder i'm pretty sure he was a no, winner right yeah he was a right back that got turned into it yeah but they got danny ings injured yeah they but, bought skamaka yeah but water's wet bro like danny ings no, no I, I know like this, this isn't me defending Moyes, but I just think as much... Listen, I've banged on about Potter not knowing how to use strikers, but I also think there might there might be the same argument that could be pointed at Moyes, you know, because of all the strikers he's had, like Bowen, Bowen's not even a striker, but he doesn't know... I don't think he knows how to get goals out of strikers, as in, like, straight strikers. His best was, like, Tim Cahill, who wasn't a pure striker, right? So... Kale to me was probably more an AM than anything. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, that's I mean, just sorry, the mix. To be honest, those gangly midfielders. If you got like a Suchek or Fellaini, Moyes will get you. At- but even that guy's faded away. Like he had one good season, now he's dead. Like he doesn't. Yeah, do Suchek's it. second season's been dead. Yeah, true. But when he was banging, Moyes knew how to get him fired. That's what Moyes does. That's defensive manager. It's good. I think people just figured out how to play and like. I'm looking at their fixtures now. Bournemouth away, Liverpool home, Palace away, City at home, United at home, Brentford away, Leicester City away, and Leeds at home. They've got some bad fixtures and relegation contenders as well. So Only the last two I can see them winning, like definitely. Bournemouth, Leeds, and Leicester, they'll be safe. Yeah, but then and, and, well, and, yeah, they're all six points, yeah, Maz. Six points, exactly. <laughs> but, but they can do it. They got Maz. Don't be stating the obvious now. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all they're all winnable games. And Bournemouth, I think Bournemouth will handle them this weekend. Man. And I was gonna say, I think Bournemouth could actually have it with Sam. That that would be a tough plus. Game. They're playing on Thursday, uh, Ghent. That doesn't mean anything. True. We, we, we've been through this. They 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 played like they hadn't played on Thursday. So, yeah. Well, in the interest of time, obviously, we want to jump off for the Champions League, which will be tasty. I still think City will go through, but I think Bayern might give them a game. If we're good, we can wrap up and jump to the quiz if we're happy with that. Yes, no, maybe. Great. So as we go, according to tradition, we'll go with the person who started, or sorry, who joined first and on time, punctual as ever, Maz. Maz, what is your pick of poison? We have true or false, a bang on the head, and who am I? I've done true or false. True or false, your first question. In 1997-98 Premier League, did three players share the golden boot? True or false? 97-98. Yes. Were they three players that shared the golden boot? True or false? Oh, gee, I do remember there was time mm, false. Wrong answer. That is true. The three players who shared the golden oh, boot were Dion Dublin at Coventry, Michael Owen and Chris Sutton, Blackburn Rovers and Liverpool. Zero points. Sure. Second was Ade. Ade, what's your poison? Ade, you have to ask it. This point. Sorry? Let me, let me, let me just guess. I, I know you're going for all three, right? <laughs> Okay, well, that's the, that's your that's two points, but we'll go bang on the head. So, can you name me three other clubs that Liverpool, apart from Liverpool and Madrid, that Fernando Morientes has played for? Yeah, 
He's played for a lot of clubs, so I wanted to narrow it down. Apart from Liverpool and Madrid, who else did Morientes play for? I need three clubs. Liverpool and Madrid. Yes, did he play for he played for Monaco. Did he play for Morientes? Why do I feel like he played for Celta Vigo? Was that Barca? I think that is wrong. Okay. I want to triple check, even though I have my answers in here. Uh, that is wrong. Okay. Um, finally, I'll give you a hint. There was another French team, and then I'll give you one more chance for another the, the third one. There's another French team you played for, and then you need to give me a, a third one. Mm. Did he play for Lyon? No. no, I don't think he did. Maybe Valencia. I quit at this Correct. point. I need. He played for Valencia. Yes, oh, wow. he did. But you you were supposed to say Marseille and you'd have got your two points. I'll give you one, just given the fact you've got two of the clubs. The other club we were looking for was Real Zaragoza, Albacete. You said Salta Vigo. I said it, but after. Yeah, then I said Zaragoza straight after. Shit, I didn't so, even hear that. Maybe you signaled me. Because I gave four answers for three. So. It's fine. I'll give you one point. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, CJ, what's your poison? Let's go. Let's go. True or false? True or false? So your true or false question is: Did Manchester United win the Premier League title with the lowest ever points tally in Premier League history in 1996-1997? Is that true or is that false? I'm going to say false. You are wrong. Something tells me it's true. So I'll go with false. You're wrong, mate. They won the title in 96, 97, went 76 points or 75 points, which is the lowest ever total recorded for a champion. Uh, zero points for CJ. Maz, your next category. So you either have bang on the head for two points or who am I for three points? Oh, who am I? Who am I? So your question is I am not Italian. I am a top scorer for a top four Italian team and I have a bronze World Cup medal. Currently top scorer for Italian team. He, he's an all-time top scorer for an Italian team. He's not Italian and he has a bronze medal at the World Cup. Bronze medal at the World Cup? Should I say at a World Cup? I'll give you one more hint and this is just because it's quite a tough one so I'm being generous I currently play in the Turkish Super League top scorer for a top Italian team I'm not Italian I have a bronze World Cup medal and I play in the Turkish Super League Uh, I know this Johnson nope so what was your answer, Mike? I have no idea. Get, get a wild guess. I don't know who plays in the Super League at the moment. Use the other hints, mate. Uh, Not Italian. Give me, give me. It doesn't have any help. Uh, third, sorry, bronze medal World Cup. He is the top scorer for a top four Italian team. Didn't play our kid. I think Italian. Didn't play that. I don't know. It's played in Italy potentially. It's gone to. Is it Icardi? 
Ade, do you want to snipe for an extra bonus point? I actually thought it was Icardi as well. Shame. The correct answer, correct answer is Dries Mertens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Top scorer for Napoli of all time. He's not Italian and he won, well, he got third place World Cup. So that is zero points for Maz again. Ade, what's your poison? Or do we need to, you know, wait, you're CJ. CJ, what's your poison? Um, bang on the head. Your bang on the head question is give me three players who have won the Premier League, World Cup, and Champions League. Premier League, Champions League. And World Cup. Henri. Yeah, that's one. Oh, there's an obvious one. Okay. Um, he still plays in the Premier League for one of them. This mind blank is not the one. Take a while. Um, yes, we're running out of time. Come on. Get... Schweinsteiger? No, because no, okay. he ain't in the Premier League. We move on. Maz, do you want to snipe? Go on. Anyone? No? Yeah. Pante. I think of the other one. Add a point here for you if you want to. Oh yeah, hold on, I've got an, I've got an obvious one. Barthes. Yes. One more. Mm. No, he didn't win the. Pique. Yeah, you're right there. You're right there, Pique. Not Pique. Right, right. I'll yeah. give you an extra point, man, just because you sniped him. Well done. Uh, Addy, what's your poison? True or false? Or who am I? Who am I? Your question is, I have played for three Premier League clubs. I've only scored one goal in my career and have played in the Premier League for over a decade. And I was inducted to the Hall of Fame last year, to the Premier League Hall of Fame. Who am I? So Campbell? No. Your, your correct answer was Peter Schmeichel. Uh, and then we have Maz for who? No, you did. Who am I? So your bang on the head is uh, bang on the head. Here we go. Deco has played with three prominent African legends in his career. Who are they? Deco. Mm-hmm. You remember Deco? Oh, Deco. Etu. Nope. Huh? He might have actually, but I'll give you that. Okay. I'll give you that till fine. Yeah, I was. I was thinking of someone else. Drogba, correct. So you've got two. Two, Drogba, and Essien. Don't think he played with Essien. I will double check, but you could be right here. Wasn't Deco at Chelsea with Essien, or am I getting them mixed up in terms of timelines? I had three other players completely. But yeah, correct. Yeah, I could have thought of some other ones too. Maz got Hmm. two points there. Yes, he did. So the other two players, just so, is Yaya Toure at Barca and Benny McCarthy at Porto. Uh, um, okay, and then we have CJ on Who Am I? Who Am I? So your Who, who Am I? I is, I am originally from African descent. I've won the Euros and the World Cup, and I held the transfer record for eight years. Who am I? Anelka? Wrong. 
correct answer was Zinedine Zidane. Oh. Are they terrible? I think you terrible. are true or false, correct? Uh, you're true or false. Cool. Your true or false question is these three players have won the Serie A, Premier League, and La Liga. Cristiano Ronaldo, Brahim Diaz, and Carlos Tevez. Is it true that all three players have won Serie A, Premier League, and La Liga, or is it false? Ronaldo, Brahim Diaz, and Tevez. You're going at false? False. That is correct. The odd one out there was Tevez, and the correct one was Danilo, who was who played yep. for Man City for one season and got swapped for Cancelo. So you got one point there. CJ, I think you've got one left, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Maz, I, mean, I feel like I had three questions. Maz is also banging the head on who am I? Was it Maz, basically? That Yeah, it's Maz because he sniped someone. So Maz, yours is a true or false, if I'm not correct. I've what, already. what have you I've not got? Already. Yeah, Maz was first for all the questions. So remember? everyone's got their questions then. Jesus. All right, yeah. so tallying up the, the totals here. CJ, you got zero. Flopped. I got one. one. I'm just typing it in. Literally one. Ade, you came away in second place with two points. And yet again, Maz comes back from the abyss and takes three points to win the quiz. Well done, Maz. Man like Maz, congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Ramadan Kareem to you, my friend. Um, thank thanks you. for your time, guys. I appreciate it. Thank Enjoy you. the Champions League and we shall be in touch. Thank you. Uh, Take see care. you. Vigo's having to operate even more attackingly now. He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Vigo.